Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there. Hello to you and welcome to this episode. Today, we're going to be taking a look at 2 Samuel, which is the next book in our series as we work our way through the Bible and look for a promise in all 66 books. Every book a promise. That's what I've titled this series because it's so true. There is promise and hope for us in every single book of God's Word. There's no part of your life that God is careless about. He cares and his care runs deep. And so today, we're going to look at a passage that has heartbreak and loyalty, some famous last words, and a whole lot of encouragement for us. And we find it right here within the pages of our Bible. Thanks for joining me today. I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show, part of the Spark Network, now playing in the Edify app. Today's episode is sponsored by the third annual Roar Virtual Marketing Conference, and it's happening online October 12th through 14th, 2023. If you are a writer, a speaker, a podcaster, perhaps you're in some type of ministry, or maybe you're thinking about beginning a type of ministry, starting a podcast, maybe you're going to host an online event of some sort, maybe in a private Facebook group, or maybe you are involved in women's ministry or a ministry to moms. You know, this event, it could be just the thing you've been looking for. I'm going to be attending, and it's something I am very, very excited about. For information or to register, just click the link in the show notes or go to roarmarketingconference.com. That's R-O-A-R marketingconference.com. Seriously. If you're looking for marketing information from a Christian perspective, you got to check this out. Now on with the show. This is episode number 162. All right, so way, way back, and I mean way, way back in the earliest episodes of the Burt Not Ernie show, I remember mentioning that people's last words are often chosen very carefully And they're paid close attention to. Have you ever noticed that? That people, if they know these are their last moments and these are their last words, they're they're chosen with care. And people kind of like zip the lip, open wide the ear, lean in, listen. And they pay close attention. When we know somebody is sharing their last words with us, we listen much, much more closely and with greater intention than, say, what would be our normal state of listening, which is kind of like, um, if I described our normal state of listening, it would be like kind of-ish, so-so listening. Like we're always multitasking and our phones are always around and we just don't listen with complete total intention and attention. It's kind of like there's a question mark more than a period, if we're honest, or I'm listening, question mark, I'm listening, period. That's how we listen when it's someone's last words and those words are important. 
you know, sometimes we just don't know what the word someone are sharing could, could mean. Like they could be their last words at any given moment. We really don't know. But at other times we do know. And so we do want to learn to be better listeners. I guess that would be my kind of admonish, admonishment slash encouragement for this episode because listening well is something that has been, um, it's been lost in this current modern generation, in this era. And not just for, I'm not talking about just like uh, millennials. I mean like this generation, all of us who are alive and have access to technology, we are distracted so easily and this episode, I hope, has has multiple kind of focal points, but one of them is just to listen well to the people that you love because you don't know when the words they speak could be their final, final words. So often we don't know that we need to be listening closely. So let's become better listeners, especially to what the Lord says to us. Chapter 23 of Second Samuel contains David's last words. You know, when it came to this remarkable king, this man after God's own heart, do you think that those people around him, say his family and his closest, like, mm, it's hard to have friends when you're in a position like David. Like, you probably don't have tons of close friends, but you'd have, say, some friendships, relationships, the people in his court, uh, maybe his military leaders, his closest advisors, and then those within his kingdom in like a broader sense, and then even those without being like super close to him in his kingdom, think even outside of his kingdom that he he had influence on because there were people that David influenced that go far beyond just Israel and Judah. Think about the people that he influenced and impacted. Do you think those people were listening to what he had to say? Now, not everybody, of course, was there at the moment when he was speaking the words that we find here in 2 Samuel chapter 23, but they would have likely been shared throughout his kingdom and then maybe beyond his kingdom. Do you think they listened or if they read the words or had them read to them, were they paying attention? How much weight do you imagine that David's last words carried? In a handful of verses, and it literally is just a handful of verses from the pages of my Bible, the life of arguably one of the most well-known and admired figures from God's word comes to a close. I'm going to read today from the New Living Translation, 2 Samuel chapter 23. These are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, speaks. David, the man who was raised up so high David, the man anointed by the God of Jacob. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord speaks through me. His words are upon my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, the one who rules righteously, who rules in the fear of God, is like the light of morning at sunrise, like a morning without clouds, like the gleaming of the sun on new grass after rain. Is it not my family God has chosen? Yes, he has made an everlasting covenant with me. His agreement is arranged and guaranteed in every detail. He will ensure my safety and success. But the godless are like thorns to be thrown away, for they tear the hand that touches them. One must use iron tools to chop them down. They will be totally consumed by fire. Okay, that's stopping there at verse 7. You know, David, he knew who he was, didn't he? Isn't that beautiful to think about, like, his ability to know who he was, like, in the most important way, through the eyes of God, in relation to his Lord and his God? 
it's it's so clear from what we just read. He knew who he was. He knew how greatly the Lord had blessed him. When's the last time you and I really like counted our blessings, listed them off, wrote them down, thank God for them one by one. He knew the spirit of the Lord spoke through him. What a gift. And to know it and to thank God for it, it's a beautiful gift. And he knew the difference between the godly and the godless. Oh, do we need to know the difference between the godly and the godless in this era? Maybe now more than ever. These really are lovely words to speak at the end of your days. And that's what David spoke. And I just love it. Verses 1 through 7, chapter 23. But let's continue on. The next section has the header, David's Mightiest Warriors, starting in verse 8. These are the names of David's mightiest warriors. The first was Jashabam the Hakmonite, who was the leader of the three, the three mightiest warriors among David's men. He once used his spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. Next in rank among the three was Eleazar, son of Dodai, a descendant of Aoah. Once Eleazar and, and David stood together against the Philistines when the entire Israelite army had fled. He killed Philistines until his hand was too tired to lift his sword, and the Lord gave him a great victory that day. The rest of the army did not return until it was time to collect the plunder. Next in rank was Shammah, son of Agi from Harar. One time the Philistines gathered at Lehi and attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. The Israelite army fled, but Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Once during the harvest, when David was at the cave of Adullam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephaim. The three, who were among the thirty, an elite group of David's fighting men, went down to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold at that time, and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. David remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. The Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is so precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. These are examples of the exploits of the three. This is remarkable. The battles that these three fought, David's top three warriors among his 30 mighty men who were, I mean, they're known as the mighty men of David because that's what they were. Their exploits were profound and astounding and just like supernatural. They must have been just so anointed by the Lord and just walking in his favor. It's a beautiful picture, this passage of just what what we can do. Um, maybe not in the physical realm, but what we can do in the spiritual realm when we yield to the Lord. And here they go and do this wonderful thing for David, their king and their military leader. Um, and, you know, it's just interesting to me that they went and did this thing that was remarkable. Three dudes breaking through the Philistine line to get this water. And then he pours it out as an offering to the Lord. And just says out loud, this water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. That's a beautiful moment. That's a beautiful moment. I think it probably touched them far more than had they he just drank the water and thanked them. Even if he thanked them profusely and been so blessed by what they did, I think he in turn blessed them back rather than just receiving a blessing. But isn't that just a mark of a truly godly leader? I think it is. 
that you want to bless more than you want to be blessed. So uh, it's just incredible what these men did and went through with David. Their bond must have been just beyond imagination doing these amazing and astounding and wonderful things. And, you know, we look at this and we think, is this true? Can this actually be true? And yet it is true. True it is. Let God be true and every man be a liar. His word is absolutely true. These things actually, truly, really did happen. Okay, so I got a question now. What about you? What great exploits can you do for the kingdom of your God? Are you a prayer warrior? Are you a praying person, a person of prayer? Do that with all your heart. Consider it a work that you can do as unto the Lord. Like work at it. Pray fervently and with intention and focus and based on the word of God and with faith and the the Hebrews 4 kind of boldness that we are told we, we we can boldly come before his throne of grace to present our needs to him to obtain mercy and help at our time or at our point of need. Do it boldly, like work at it, but work as unto the Lord, expecting great results and powerful answers to the prayers that you're praying. Never stop praying. Never stop seeking the Lord's will to be done right here on earth, just as it is in heaven. I mean that. Seek him, that his will will be done now on earth. That's a beautiful way to pray. When you don't know what to pray in any situation or just in some broad sweeping sense, like the, the state of the world or the state of one certain area of your life. If you're not sure exactly what to pray, maybe it's just too heavy and too hard. Things are really intense in that area and you're overwhelmed, feeling like you're coming undone. Can I encourage you to just pray for the will of the Lord to be done in that exact situation and keep praying that for as often and as long as you need to, because I believe there's a special blessing of peace that will come upon you when you just yield that hardest thing right over to Jesus. Lay it at the foot of the cross and keep taking it back and laying it down if you need to, but pray and receive the peace. Like make an exchange. You give him that burden and you cry out to him for his will to be done right there in that very thing, circumstance, situation, relationship, whatever it might be, and then receive his peace because I know he wants you to leave your prayer time with a greater measure of your peace than when you entered your prayer time. That much I know absolutely to be true. Never stop praying and never stop seeking the Lord's will. Uh, One day your faith is going to become sight. You'll find out how your prayers impacted people for all eternity. Because yes, our prayers can change situations. But people, people, when you're in eternity, you're going to find out what people were impacted by your praying. And I really don't think you're ever going to regret one single solitary second spent in prayer. It's an investment and it will pay dividends beyond measure, beyond what you ever could hope, dream, ask, or imagine. There's no doubt, there's no doubt that a praying man or a praying woman holds great sway in the Lord's throne room of grace. There's no doubt about that. When he looks, does he find anyone to stand in the gap? Does he find you to stand in the gap and intercede for others? When the eyes of the Lord are looking and searching, I looked and found no one, it says in Isaiah. Who's going to stand in the gap? Who will intercede? Are you that one? Don't stop praying. Never stop praying. And if you are that one, uh, know that you have a truly remarkable, uh, critically important ministry for this time and this place. And you're not here by accident, but on purpose. And it's a gift to have the time and the faculties and the ability to pray big, bold, daring prayers and to seek the will of God and to just pray it down from heaven, if you would, if I could just kind of draw like a little bit of a mental picture there, 
this is a treasure and a blessing that goes so much farther beyond uh, what you think it does. Let me just put it that way. As far as you think your prayers might reach, they reach farther. I can promise you that. Okay, I'm going to continue on in chapter 23 with verse 18. David's 30 mighty men. And I'm just going to give you a heads up. I am probably going to butcher some of these names, but that's okay. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it. Abishai, son of Zariah, the brother of Joab, was the leader of the 30. He once used his spear to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. It was by such feats that he became as famous as the three. Abishai was the most famous of the 30 and was their commander, though he was not one of the three. There was also Benaiah, son of Jehida, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Once, armed only with a club, he killed an imposing Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Deeds like these made Benaiah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was more honored than the other members of the 30, though he was not one of the three, and David made him captain of his bodyguard. Other members of the 30 included Asael, Joab's brother, Elhanan, son of Dodo from Bethlehem, Shammah from Herod, Elika from Herod, Helez from Pelon, Ira, son of Ikesh from Tekoa, Abiezer from Anathoth, uh, Sibakai from Hushash, Zalman from Ehoah, Maharai from Nedophah, Heled, son of Benea from Nedopath, Ithai, son of Ribai from Gibeah in the land of Benjamin, Benaiah from Pirathon, Harai from Nahale Geash, Abi Alban from Araba, Asmaveth from Bahurim, Eliaba from Shelbon, the sons of Jashan, Jonathan, son of Shaggy from Harar, Ahayim, son of Sharar from Harar, Eliphelet, son of Ashabai from Makkah, Eliam, son of Ethopel from Gilo or Gilo, Hezro from Carmel, Perai from Arba, Egal, son of Nathan from Zobah, Bani from Gad, Zelek from Ammon, Neherai from Beeroth, the armor bearer of Joab, son of Zariah, Ira from Jatir, Gareb from Jatir, Uriah the Hittite. There were 37 in all. That was a list of names <laughs> that I just read. Uh, and why is that important? Why am I reading a list of names? And the bigger question that you probably have asked at some point in time, uh, or you just flip through your Bible reading plan to get past the list of names and genealogies is, why are they in the Bible, these lists of names? Why? Why are they here? Because people are important to the Lord. Because you are important to the Lord. Important enough that your name is written on a list. It's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's where your name is. Reading a list like this reminds us that people matter so very much to our God. And that means everyone you encounter matters to God because they're either walking in fellowship with him, they're in the kingdom, they know his son, or they don't, and he wants them to desperately. Like with, by desperately, I'm not exaggerating. Think of what Jesus came to do on the cross so that we might e inherit eternal life by knowing him. As, as, you know, do we know God's son? God says, do you know my son? 
it's it's a desperation kind of a move on God's part. I mean, he wasn't desperate in the sense of we know desperation, but he's he is truly desperate for people. And I think it's important for us to get desperate about souls being saved because people matter. That's why these lists matter. They show us that God cares about individuals. That means you. That means you as an individual. Everybody you encounter matters to God. He cares about them. He cares about what happens to them. He cares about where they spend eternity. And yes, while I absolutely butchered some of those names for sure, there were some tough ones on that list. You know, even though I messed up those names, I'm not Jewish and um, I'm definitely mispronouncing some of them. God never gets our name wrong. People might. God never does. He knows who you are. He knows where you are and he knows where you fall in history. You're not here at this point in time by accident. Sometimes people say, I should have been born 100 years earlier. I don't think so because that's not when you were born and God doesn't make mistakes. You were born at the right time, at this time. He knows where you fall in history. You matter, your place matters, and you're not forgotten. Your name is on a list. And once it's written there, it cannot be erased because the precious blood of Jesus bought you with a price. You're secure, you're safe, you're engraved on the palms of his hands. And if you don't know that your name is written in Jesus's book of life, you can know, you can know it. And I'm talking about immediately know it by praying, by faith and in faith for Jesus to forgive your sins. Just believing that if you ask him to, you confess your sins, he'll forgive them by accepting his payment on the cross as the full payment for all your sins and all means all. And then give your life to him fully and completely. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And it is God's truth. It's the God's honest truth because it's God's truth. You can know immediately right now in this very moment that your name is written in the book of life. And when the roll is called up yonder, you'll be there. Can I mention that this chapter ends with the name Uriah the Hittite. There's a story there. It's a story of heroism on Uriah's part and great heartbreak as well. Godly people really do ungodly things sometimes, as was the case with the death of Uriah. And if you don't know this story, um, you can you can read First and Second Samuel and get like the whole scope of David's life because it's not good to just take one snippet and single somebody out in an overly negative or overly positive way. We want to take what we have in the Word of God as the whole counsel of the Word of God. And so there was just a tragic, terrible instance in the, in the life of David that led to just a horrible uh, loss of one of his mighty men, Uriah the Hittite, who seemed to want to serve his king and his country um, well, and probably his God well. It's just a tragedy beyond tragedies, but look, here he was, one of David's mighty men, and yet this happened to him. Sometimes we feel like this can't happen to us because of this, this, this. This is where I'm at in life. These are the circumstances. This is what's going on, and this, you know, God's not going to let anything bad happen to me because of this, this, this. And then sometimes we get hit upside the head because something really heartbreaking and just wrong and unfair and tragic happens. We are we are out there doing heroic, valiant works for the kingdom of God. And then boom, this over here happens. If that's happened to you, I want you to know God sees you. God loves you. 
and you are not forgotten. Uriah's name was not erased from this list because his life was cut short, and it was cut short. I think it was ended well before the time that the, that the God of heaven would have ordered it ended. You know, when you have an in-the-spotlight kind of life, and I mean that, in the spotlight, everybody's looking at you every time you step outside the palace door. Uh, we don't live in a palace, but you know what I'm saying. Like, everybody's got their eye on you. Maybe you're in a ministry situation. Maybe you're in a high-level position at work. Uh, maybe you're in a position that isn't, uh, doesn't come with a title, but still, you're in the spotlight and you're feeling it. When you live an in-the-spotlight kind of life, as David certainly did, there's the added possibility of great heartbreak. Is it fair? I suppose it isn't, but life isn't fair, honestly. And so if you're in some sort of a spotlight type of a role, I just want to encourage you to pray and ask the Lord to give you some things that you need, like tools in your toolbox that you need to live an in-the-spotlight kind of life well. And by well, I mean by honoring the Lord for all of your days. Because sometimes we all know people who who don't finish well. Sometimes we start really well and we go really well through the middle and almost up to the end, it goes well. And then boom, bitterness sets in. We get older, age begins to creep in on us. Something happens and we just, that, that moment, that uh, slip can be the thing that people remember most, most clearly. And it's a sad, sad way. You can undo a legacy so quickly. A life of integrity can be undone in an instant, literally. So these are some things I would encourage you to pray and ask the Lord for. If you are living a life in the spotlight, any kind of spotlight, ask for discernment, conviction, like you to personally be convicted quickly, quickly, man, before it gets out of hand, quickly for anything that grieves the Holy Spirit, anywhere he wants to give you conviction, you just ask him regularly, um, cry out to him, convict me, show me, And then be ready to just turn and walk with him. Repent if you need to and walk with him. Walk in his ways. Not trying to get him to walk in our ways. We walk in his ways. Discernment, conviction, grace. Ask for grace. People who know they need grace tend to give more grace. And that can just um, kind of circumvent so many things that become stumbling blocks and downfalls before they even get started. Discernment, conviction, grace, compassion. Ask for compassion. You want to be a compassionate person and empathy. Beyond even sympathy, we want to be empathetic as much as is possible. And we can ask for that. I may not have been in your exact situation. And so by, you know, looking at my own life, you might think, how can you be empathetic? You don't know what I'm going through. Well, here's how I can be because the Holy Spirit totally understands what you're going through. And I can pray and ask him to give me empathy so that I can love you well, so that I can serve you well, and so that I can glorify him, so I can pray effectively for you. Ask for that discernment, conviction, grace, compassion, empathy, wisdom. Pray and ask for wisdom and expect to receive it. You need it. If you're in a spotlight position, you need wisdom. And lastly, and this is not really, it's not like Lastly, lastly, it's last on my little list here today. Definitely not last. You could add a million things to this list, and I encourage you to add them and pray them. Ask for his protection in that role. If he's put you there and he wants you there, ask him to protect you in it. Uh, And I'm not talking about just make sure you don't, you know, ever be shifted out of it and nobody takes your place. I'm talking about like be protected in the spiritual realm 
um, in the ways that really matter. Protect my spirit, protect my heart. May it be only yours. I don't want to be sitting on the throne of my own heart. I don't want to try to run my own life. I want you to do it, Lord. That kind of protection. And of course, pray for protection against um, and against enemies and from your enemy. And you do have a very real enemy who is, uh, you know, prowling around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Pray for protection because he's not going to devour you when you're prayed up. Discernment, conviction, grace, compassion, empathy, wisdom, and protection. That's a prayer you are never going to regret taking time to pray. And, you know, for those of us who are living a small life, and by small, think of that in quotes, a small life. It's not one in the spotlight. It's just more normal. And a normal can feel boring, if we're honest, but normal or small, it doesn't have to equate boring at all. I don't think a smaller life is boring in the eyes of the Lord. A small life, it can be just so good. And if it's good, that means it's good for you. A blessing from the Lord. Don't assume that a small life, a small ministry, a small role is some kind of a curse. I really mean this. I want you to look at it as a blessing. I am so, so incredibly serious when I say that it may be the biggest blessing that you never even knew God has given you. You may have been a recipient of the biggest blessing and you just didn't even know it because you think of it as a curse. Don't we do that sometimes? I think we absolutely do. And maybe not just in regard to living a small life. We do this in a lot of ways. We think of things as a curse because society and social media and etc, 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 tells us this is not the best. And so it's a curse. What if actually it's a blessing and we missed it, completely missed it because we're so focused on what the world says is up and what the world says is down when really it's kind of the opposite in the kingdom of our God. You may have been blessed so much by being given something smaller and cozier and safer and we might not even know it. So thank God for the small things. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank him for it. Uh, in the spotlight, it gets warm. You ever been on a stage and the spotlight's on you? Those things are hot. It gets warm. The spotlight is the hot light, and it can be so very hard. There is no shame in a small life that's lived well for God's glory. For a small ministry that serves others and honors the King of Kings, Maybe social media says it's not big enough to be good enough, but that's a lie. That's not what God says. And his opinion really is the only opinion that matters because it's the only opinion that will stand at the end of all time. Uriah's life was cut far too short, and it serves as an example for us to daily rely on the Holy Spirit, whether we're in a Uriah position or a David position, whether we're one of David's mighty men, or whether we just feel like we're in the, in the background, not doing much. I can tell you what, big life or small life, spotlight, hot light, no light. Thank God for where you are. Thank God for where you are. Let him give you more if he wants to. Let him slow you down to have more time with him if he wants to do that. But daily rely on the Holy Spirit, just like, I mean, you're all in. You're just, your reliance on the Holy Spirit is, is just so vast and so unending that you don't know how to do anything without him. That kind of reliance, nah, that's a life well lived, my friend. Alrighty, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show podcast. Again, don't forget to check out the Roar 
online virtual marketing conference that's coming up in just October, the middle of October, 12, 13, 14, October of 2023. Click the link, check it out, get registered if you think this will be a blessing for you. Um, because if you're in this kind of a field, and this, this fits with the message, I guess, uh, spot on, right? If you're in a small ministry or in the spotlight, the hot light, it's, it's going to bless you. It's going to help you. It's going to encourage you. Do you not need encouragement? You absolutely do. And give you tools that you can use to do your ministry in a way that advances the kingdom. Because that's what we want to do. We want to pray for God's will to be done right here on earth, just as it is in heaven. That's instantly. Um, I, I probably shouldn't say instantly. That's without resistance. Let's put it that way. Um, without us bucking his authority, the angels, his mighty ones who do his bidding, it says in Psalm 103, they don't delay in doing the will of the Lord. That's really how I should have phrased that. The will of the Lord done instantly by us, like we're yielded. That doesn't mean God gives us whatever we ask for in prayer instantly. It means we instantly obey him. That's how his will should be done. You know, a, a summit like this, a conference like this, it could make all the difference in your ability to step into the fall season, which then rolls into Christmas and winter, which is a really ministry heavy time of year and is rich. I mean, rich with opportunities just within our, our normal ministry spheres and our families and our churches and our neighborhoods at work. You've got open doors between Thanksgiving and Christmas and the new year that you don't have any other time. Really, You really, really don't. That's just kind of those doors are shut. People are more closed off. Not this time of year. This could really be hugely beneficial for you at this exact moment in time as you roll into this season. And if you go away filled up and refreshed and ready to move forward and do kingdom work, that's a win. That's like a win-win. That's like two giant W's. Go for the W. Get the win. Going to get the dub. Two win-wins in your life and for the lives of others. So check it out. The website is uh, just a clickable link right there in the very tippy top of the show notes. I'll put it there so you can't miss it. And I'm thankful that you've listened today. I pray you're so blessed. I mean, so blessed. You know, with that song you sing to the babies, how big is the baby? So big. I pray you're so blessed that it's just like, is, is you're overflowing with the blessings of the Lord, the peace of the Lord, the love of the Lord. You are treasured. Your name is on his list. Thank God for that today. And I thank God for you today. All right. I'll see you back here next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day, and remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.